Oh, there we go. The grace that saves you is the grace that will carry you home. Saints. You sing about it. You read about it. But do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? If you have your Bible, please open it to Genesis chapter 1. We are again looking at verses 26 through 31, and also the verses that Amanda read for the scripture reading also. And here is God's word to his sons and daughters. And the Lord said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has breath, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Please pray with and for me, saints. Holy Spirit, as Brother DeMarco prayed, we pray that the Spirit will move during the preaching of the word that he would take the preached word and apply it to our hearts, apply it to our minds, apply it to our families, apply it to our issues and our brokenness and to our situations and our circumstances. You are not caught off guard with what we are dealing with today. You're not caught off guard. You're not on a holiday in glory. You're not at the heavenly golf course playing golf. You see us. You see us. Our pain, our frustrations, our confusions, you see us. And you say to us, you're not alone. I'm with you. And I'm for you. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make all those things true in our hearts and our minds, that we would truly believe them. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. God does not play dice with the universe, says Albert Einstein. God isn't a shooter rolling dice when it comes to his creation. He's not a gambler who says, you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. And you got to know when to walk away. Nor is he like the, the, the bully Debo playing dice on the movie Friday. Your God is an artistic creator who created everyone and everything on purpose, for a purpose. Do you know what that means? 
it means your life is not a crap shot. And it means every life of every human being isn't a crap shot either. Never forget that all of humanity is the representational image of God on earth. We're the Imago Dei on purpose for a purpose. And the Imago Dei is good, not bad. It's a, it's a, it's a benefit, not, not a hindrance. It's a crown and not a thorn. It's God-centered and it's not man-centered. It's a blessing and not a curse. Do y'all see the Imago Dei in yourself as a blessing? Do you see that? Do you see the Imago Dei in other people as a blessing? It's a blessing, saints. Even if you can't see it, even if you can't feel it, even if you don't think it's true. After God creates Adam and Eve, our first parents, he doesn't send them on their happy way. He doesn't send them out to, to, to live independently of him. He doesn't do that. He blesses them like a good father. He pronounces a, a blessing over them, over our first parents. And this is what Moses writes in verses 27 and 28. So God creates man in his own image. In the image of God, he, he creates him. Male and female, he creates them. And he blesses them. You can't gloss over that. That's important. He blesses them. The Imago Dei is a blessing to the crown of God's creation. Do you know who the crown of God's creation is? It is not the animals. It is not the trees. It is humanity. Male and female. And we're, and that's a blessing that comes from that image. It's a blessing that has implications that come from God. And I talked about one of those implications last week. Do y'all remember the blessing I talked about last week? It's the blessing of wholeness. Personhood. God creates Adam and Eve as whole people. Did you know that? Adam as a whole man and a whole male. Eve as a whole female and a whole woman. And as I said last week, God brings Eve, God brings Eve to Adam whole. She doesn't become whole when she comes to Adam. She comes to him a whole woman. And that's why marriage can never make you whole. Because wholeness comes from Jesus. Both Adam and Eve are created with the seven aspects of human wholeness in full beauty and complete harmony. Without shame, without blemish, without brokenness. Do you remember the seven aspects of human wholeness? Intellectual, it's intellectual, psychological, it's uh, emotional, physical, sexual, spiritual, and aesthetic. Those, those, that make up, that makes you up as a whole person. And you have those things because of the Imago Day. You don't give yourself those things. You don't. Because we're not self-existing. We're not self-creating. Those things come from somewhere. They come from God. Like our first parents, each of us have these seven aspects of a human wholeness. But unlike our first parents, our human wholeness is beautifully broken because of the fall and because of sin. And at the same time, you're still a whole person, even though your wholeness is beautifully broken. And it takes you coming to Jesus to see it. To see the beauty, to see the broken wholeness is still a blessing of the Imago Dei. But do you believe it? Do you? 
along with wholeness, there's a second blessing that needs to be addressed in its reflection. Reflection is a blessing of the Imago Dei. Well, what does, what does that mean, Pastor Alex? Remember, God creates humanity to be his representational image. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, says God. You see, Adam and Eve are to reflect God as the representational image of God on earth. That's the amen statement. They're to express him. Don't rush past those statements. Don't, I want you to sit comfortably in those words. Adam and Eve are to reflect the God who creates them, to be an expression of him on earth. Notice, when God created the garden, did he work it? Did he work the garden? He already did his work by creating it. He put Adam in the garden to work it. And his work is a reflection of God's work. It's right there in Scripture. One scholar says, in Genesis 1, man is not a mere cipher chosen at random by God to be his representative, but to some extent also expresses as the image the character of God. That's God's intent from Adam and Eve. This is his intent for all the diverse people that, that come from our first parents. God creates our first parents in his own image and knowledge and righteousness and holiness. That's what the larger catechism says. That means all image bearers will reflect and express certain aspects of God's character. And that reflection and that expression are blessings of the Imago Day. Again, do you believe it? The animals don't do this. We do this. So what are these aspects of God's character that image bearers will reflect and express. It's God's communicable attributes. His communicable attributes. He has two kinds. His incommunicable attributes are the ones that belong only to him. Like, he doesn't share those with us. His communicable attributes are the ones that he shares with humanity. They have some resemblance in us. We possess them imperfectly with, with diverse degrees. We reflect and, and express them in finite ways. Albert Einstein is considered to be one of the smartest human beings to ever live. He had an IQ of 160, and that's high. Kids, do you know what IQ means? It is a measurement of, of your intelligence that is, that's expressed in a number. An IQ between 85 and 150 is considered average. An IQ of over 120 is considered superior. All human beings have an IQ. Some below average, some average, some above average. Where does IQ come from? Where does it originate? Does human intelligence come primarily from humans? Are you the reason why you're smart? Is it just you? Are you the, are we the reason why we have the capacity for intelligence? Is it us? Did it originate in us? No. Human intelligence is really a reflection and an expression of one of God's communicable attributes. It's what Lewis Burkhoff calls God's intelligence, intellectual attributes, or his mental attributes, according to another theologian. He has two of them. Knowledge is one of them. God's knowledge is omniscient, all comprehensive, infinite, 
eternal. He knows all things past, present, and future. Second Chronicles 6, 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He sees everything. He knows everything. Hebrews 4, 3 says, No creature is hidden from your sight, but all are naked are exposed to your eyes of him to whom we all must give an account. God's knowledge is without limit. His second uh, intellectual attribute is wisdom. And wisdom is, is, is knowledge and experience put into practice. That's what wisdom is. Because you can have knowledge and not be wise. <laughs> wisdom, it means you make the best choices and judgments and decisions. God's wisdom means he always chooses the best ends and the best means for reaching that end. All the time. Amen. All the time. And like his knowledge, his wisdom is also all comprehensive, infinite, and eternal. God always makes right decisions 100% of the time. He's never off his game. He never has a lapse in judgment because he's God. If he did have a lapse in judgment, he wouldn't be God. We cannot reduce God too far down to our level. Job 12, 13 says, with God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. Romans eleven thirty three says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and, and his ways beyond tracing out. This is your God. His knowledge and his wisdom are two of his intellectual attributes. Both are communicable. Both will be reflected in all image bearers. That is true for the Christian and the non-Christian. For example, human beings are rational, rational creatures. We have a mind that allows us to think. Now, animals have minds too, but they aren't created in the image of God. They don't reflect and express, you know, God's intellectual attributes. Turn with me to Genesis 2, beginning in verse 19. Genesis 2, verse 19 and 20. And as you do so, think about this question. Who names the animals that God created? Listen to these words. Now out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he will call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. TBC Saints, there's human intelligence on display right here in the Garden of Eden. Do you see it? Adam gets the privilege and the blessing to naming all the animals that God created. The animals don't name themselves. God's wisdom and his knowledge has been expressed through Adam. And that's a blessing because God could have named them himself. But he allowed, he, he brings them to Adam and allows Adam to do it. God's knowledge and his wisdom is expressed in all image bearers. You see, all humanity has intellectual and mental capacities because of the Imago Dei. It's a blessing that we get to reflect this. Now, in us, it would be limit. It's not infinite. It's not omniscient. Our wisdom and knowledge are finite. And actually, wisdom and knowledge are two sides of human intelligence. Herman Bovic says, Wisdom and knowledge are rooted in different capacities of the soul. 
The source of knowledge is study, and wisdom is discernment. Knowledge is, is discursive. Wisdom is intuitive. Knowledge is theoretical. Wisdom is practical. Adam and Eve are created with both of these in perfect harmony, without blemish, without brokenness, without shame, without one-sidedness, without sin. But that's not the case for us. Our intellectual capacities are beautifully broken because of sin and because of the fall. Our wisdom and our knowledge are beautifully broken. But the brokenness doesn't change the fact that, that, that our finite knowledge and wisdom are still a reflection of God. Just look at humanity's ability to create, to invent, to design. Again, is that just us? It's not just us. Look at, look at the gifts that humanity has, the talents that we have, what we can sing, what we can paint, what we can create. Does that, those, those, they don't resonate with us. They didn't originate with us. They are a reflection of a creator. Look at our creativity. Look at our advances in medicine and technology. Is that just us? It's a reflection, an expression of the Imago Dei. But do we believe it? Do you believe your beautiful broken intellectual capacity is a blessing or do you see it as a curse? Now we must point out that our beautiful brokenness looks different than all of us. There's diversity. All brokenness ain't equal. This means some image bearers are going to be born with or develop some mental deficiencies, mental disorders. Mental disabilities. Some are going to be born with or or develop some physical handicap. And if you're one of those image bearers, please know you're not less than. You're not half of a person. You're not a burden to be put out of sight, out of mind. You're not a problem that needs to be fixed. You're not a project that needs to be managed. You are not your intellectual disability. You are not your handicap. You are not your mental illness. You are not your mental deficiency. They don't define you. They don't tell you who you are. They aren't the boss of you. You are a whole person who is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Even though you have broken places. And that's an amen statement. You have value, you have self-worth, and you have dignity. And your beautiful, broken intellectual capacities can't rob you of those. You can still flourish. You can still enjoy life. You can, despite your brokenness. And please hear this. You are enough. 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 If you don't believe it, if you can't see it, that your broken intellectual capacities are beautiful, then you need to come to Jesus. And coming to him means you you got to have faith in him first. Receiving him as Lord and Savior. Let him minister to you for the first time or let him minister to you for the 100th time. Come. 
If you already know him, come and believe you are enough. If you are a parent, a grandparent, a caregiver, and a sibling to an image bearer who has these type of brokenness, then please know God is not punishing you. He's not cursing you. I know it's hard. It's exhausting. It's frustrating. It's painful. There are tearful nights. But please know Jesus is Emmanuel with you as you're the hands and feet to them. Please know that. He's Emmanuel with you as you are his hands and feet to your loved one. Let him minister to you as you minister to them. Let him walk alongside of you as you walk alongside of them. Because Jesus will help you, will use you to help them feel their value, dignity, and self-worth, even though they have brokenness. Please know that. He's using you to minister to them. TBC says, when you come in contact with an image bearer who, with mental or physical disabilities, don't pity them. Don't feel sorry for them. They don't want your pity. They don't want you to feel sorry for them. Instead, see them as whole people made in the image of God just like you. With the same value, with the same worth, with the same dignity. With the same beautiful brokenness. Just like you. That's Those are amen statements. They are. They're whole people. Do you see them as whole people? Do you treat them as whole people? Former NBA superstar Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, and seven other image bearers died in a tragic helicopter crash last Sunday. These nine image bearers were on their way to a basketball game when the helicopter went down. Went down. Families have been forever changed because of these deaths. Life for them might not ever be the same. Bryant's death sent shockwaves throughout the NBA, our country, even the world. Social media was set on fire with people's grief. And many people are still grieving, lamenting, mourning, and, and hurting. And some of you may be as well. And this is true for Christians and non-Christians are impacted by these deaths. It's just heartbreaking. On Friday night, there was a pregame ceremony at the Staples Center in L.A. to remember Kobe and the other victims. It was a wonderful ceremony. It began with the R&B singer Usher singing the Christian hymn, Amazing Grace, at an NBA basketball game. But why? Why sing that hymn? Why grieve? Why are people in tears? Why are they hurting? Why have hundreds of people gathered at Staples Center to pay their respects to Kobe Bryant? Is it because they're just simply decent human beings? Is it simply because they, they have been conditioned by society to, to respond that way? The answers are much deeper than that, beloved. It's much deeper than them being simply decent human beings. It's the Imago Day. It's the Imago Day. The, the image of God in them is the reason why they mourn and they grieve and they lament. This is true for Christians and non-Christians, for the believer and even the atheist. The grievers and the lamenters are actually reflecting another one of God's communal attributes. And the same is true for you when you mourn someone's death. And that communicable attribute is God's moral attributes, his ethical attributes. Those things are reflected in all image bearers. Do you believe that? Again, 
Either we got those from a creator or they just came out of nowhere. You think you love your family because it's you? Did, did love originate with you? Did you create love? No. When you're loving people, you are reflecting God. That is the imago day in you. That is the image of God. I'm going to talk about seven of God's moral or ethical attributes. And for God, and even these attributes, he is infinite, he's internal, and he's unchangeable in all of them. First, there's God's holiness. You like to take notes, then this is the time to take notes. God is holy. That means he's completely separated from sin, from evil, and defilement. God has no broken places. That's what that means. He's perfect. First John 1 John 1.5 says, this, in essence, is the message we heard from, from Christ and we're passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There is no trace of darkness in him. That's holiness. Second, a second moral attribute of God is goodness. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good all the time. Some Romans 2, 4 says, do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very pleasant help in trouble. That is goodness. The old, old Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon wrote, God is good, not because he causes things that seem or feel good to happen in our lives, but because in the midst of the storm, God, God, God comes closer to us than the storm ever could. That's goodness. His goodness. Third, there's God's love. This attribute doesn't mean he simply loves. It means he himself is love. See, you love, we love, but we're not love. That's God. He's love itself. First John 4, 8 says, God is love. Do you believe it? Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So if you ever doubt God's love for you, Remember the cross, because that's proof of it. If you ever get in those moments where you're doubting, does God love me? Remember the cross. That's your proof. That he loves you. John 3, 16, for this is everyone's scripture memory verse. Even the non-Christians know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love. Love. A fourth more attribute, this is grace. We just sung about it. It is amazing. And God's grace is his unmerited and undeserved favor. It's not something you can work for. And grace is receiving what you don't deserve. That's his grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Next, there's mercy. Mercy means not receiving what you do deserve. Titus 3, 4 says, God saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. His own mercy. 
And six, there's God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. That means he's trustworthy, dependable, and steadfast all the time. He's the only one, he's the only one that's consistent in your life. Please know that. There, he's always 100. All the time. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, it is, it is, it is of the Lord's mercies that, mercy that we're not consumed. Because his, per, because his compassion does not fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Do you believe it? Second Timothy 2, 13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And finally, there's God's righteousness and justice. This means our God always does what is right and just all the time. He is incapable of doing anything wrong. It's not in his nature. Thank you, DeMarco. You want to come preach? Thank you. <laughs> Isaiah 61.8 says, For I, the Lord, loves justice, and I hate robbery and wrongdoing. Jeremiah 9.24 says, But let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Now, what do y'all think is the implication of God's moral attributes for humanity? What do you think is the implication of that? He, He is that. But it's this also. No one is really a moral relativist at the end of the day. There's no human being who truly is a moral relativist at the end of the day. No person truly lives like more judgments are just relative to an individual, culture, or historical period. They don't. They are lying to themselves. Because at some point, every person everywhere draws a line in the sand. And when you draw that line, you agree with my theology. You agree with me. You agree with this. Everywhere, every person everywhere will, will, will say something is wrong. They stand up against justice. They, they protest for their rights. And, and they have settings. And they march for life. Why? Because of the Imago Day. That's why. That's why they do it. Every person everywhere in the world has a basic understanding of what's right and wrong because of the Imago Day. It comes out. It comes out in the Christian and it comes out in the non-believer. And my ethics professor, Dr. Mark Ross, says you can deny some of the image of God in you some of the time. You can deny all the image of God in you some of the time. But you cannot deny all the image of God in you all the time. And the way people have responded to Kobe Bryant's death is an example of those words. Because you have atheists who were outside the Staples Center grieving. Why? The image of God. Showing itself in them. That's where it comes from. Humanity's moral and ethical capacities are expressions of God's moral attributes. They, we reflect them because we are the representation of the image of God on earth. Our capacity for love and mercy and grace and justice does not originate with us. They're blessings that come because we are created in God's image. That's where it comes from. 
We didn't evolve into this from apes. <laughs> we were created with these things because of who our creator is. But now our moral and ethical capacities are beautifully broken because of the fall and because of sin. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Alex? It means all image bearers are capable of being ethical and unethical, moral and immoral, just and unjust, loving and hateful. There will be beauty and brokenness in how humanity experience and express these ethical attributes in real life among other image bearers. For example, the people gathering around the Staples Center is beauty. Mass shootings in America, brokenness. The humanitarian efforts we see around the world, beauty. Teen suicides, brokenness. Homeless shelters that we have in our city, beauty. Poverty and homelessness in our city, brokenness. Criminal justice reform in America, beauty. Mass incarceration, brokenness. Confident person in their grief, beauty. Abuse, brokenness. Justice, beauty. Abortion, brokenness. Our moral and ethical capacities are beautifully broken. And there's another implication of that. The most immoral person you know is still created in the image of God. And the only way you believe that is true is by you coming to Jesus. Resting in him. That's the only way you believe that statement is true. Brian Stevenson, who wrote the book Just Mercy and and a movie has been made about that book called Just Mercy as well. It's a good book, good movie. You should all see it. And he says, we are all broken by something. We all have hurt someone and have been hurt. We all share the condition of brokenness, even if our brokenness is not equivalent. And I'll add to this. I'll add to his statement. Jesus is an equivalent redeemer of all of our brokenness said in that. Our brokenness is an equivalent, but Jesus is an equivalent redeemer. Because he's able to redeem all of our ethical and intellectual brokenness so that we can see it as beautiful and not something that is holding us back. Again, this series is going somewhere. I'm weaving it in here because Jesus is the center of all of this. But do you believe it? Do you rest in it? And this is for you two kids. All the kids here. All this, this, These messages are not just for your parents and the adults here. You are also created in the image of God. You are. Each and every one of you are. And you have to believe that. that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image, despite the brokenness you have and the brokenness you will experience cannot rob you of that. That you have value, you have self-worth, and you have dignity, you are beautiful, you are awesome, and God loves you. It ain't just for your parents. It's for each and every one of you too. And as your pastor, it is my prayer that each and every one of you will come to save in faith in Jesus and let him minister to your brokenness. Now, I know some of you are going to grow up and go to counseling and still bring your parents for something. That's going to happen, I know. 
It's a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> but Jesus did Emmanuel to you as well. And he'll walk with you and help you to see your brokenness is beautiful. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a wonderful, 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 wonderful redeemer. That you are able to minister to all of our broken places in a way that we can live and be whole people. And so my prayer is that as we go out into um, the world, as we go out into our jobs, as we go out and live life, and as we struggle this week, and as we're disappointed this week, and as we have successes this week, help us to live and function in the reality that you are for us and never against us. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service?